You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Because this is how he says it. So we're on page Reish, Perik Yud Aleph the Sanhedrin, quotes the Gemara in Sanhedrin. Vayakam Moshe Vayelech Aldasan Vaviram. And Moshe got up and he went to Dasan and Aviram. What, what an amazing thing for Moshe to do. For him to go to Dasan and Aviram. Right, how many people can't get, can't get together because each one is waiting for the other one to, uh, to come? Amr Ishlakish, Ishlakish said, Mikan, from here we learn, She'ein machzikim b'machlokis. That you are not supposed to, and not allowed to, as we'll see in a minute, but that we do not continue, carry on a uh, fight. The Amarav, Kalamachzik B'machlokas, whoever carries on does um, drag on the fight. Over Balav transgresses a negative prohibition, Shanamar, You shall not be like Korach and his um, posse. Hashem biyad Moshe lo, as Hashem spoke um, through Moshe to him. And that's the first explanation of the Gemara. Ravashi Amar, Ravashi says, Ra'ui lehitztareya. Such a person who carries on machlokas deserves to be punished with leprosy. Ksiv because here it says, biyad Moshe lo, by the hand of Moshe to him. Ksiv hasam, and we know what's the famous punishment that came through the hand of Moshe. By Yomer Hashem Lo, Hashem says to Moshe, Od Yadcha When Moshe says, well, I don't know, are the Jewish people going to believe me? I need some signs. So Hashem says to Moshe, put your hands into your, into your bosom, literally, and he pulls it out, and it's white as snow. Kasha. So I have a question. Lama Balav when it comes, why is it that when it comes to this prohibition, Amar Hakasuv, the Torah uses the story and the narrative to create the prohibition. Velo Korach, don't be like Korach. Velo Kasav, Lav why didn't the Torah just tell us a straightforward prohibition? Kmolo don't kill. It doesn't say don't be like Kayin. Lo right? don't commit adultery. It doesn't say don't be like the wife of Potiphar. Here, no, but all, in all of the Torah, in all of the Torah, we find the Torah tells you do something. Don't eat chazer. Don't uh, don't don't lie. Don't all these things. The Torah tells us don't be jealous. Don't uh, well, that's the Ten Commandments. Don't take vengeance. The Torah should have said, do not um, drag on a, a fight. And instead, the Torah uses the narrative. Don't do what Korach did. Well, also we have the command, don't be like the nations of Canaan. We, well, that's articulated. No, there it says, don't do these, these, and these, these things, so that you will not be like them. But the Torah actually tells you what not to do in straightforward form. <coughs> right? I mean, the, and if there are two or three other examples where the Torah tells us like this, for example, I'm just giving one where, by Lashon Hara, it says, Zachar es asher as Hashem Miriam, Instead of saying, but there we do have another place where the Torah says lo selech rachil ba'amecha. So there's another place where the Torah does say don't don't speak lashon hara. So we, I, I'm not saying he's saying this is the only example, but wherever you would see it like this, you would similarly need an explanation. I was just going to say, but we know there's no 
you know that. So that's why he doesn't say don't have machlokah, because sometimes machlokah is true. And he knows inevitably there's going to be machlokah. Well, you still could have said don't have machlokah in the way that... that uh, that's bad, or even in the way of Korach. And instead, the whole prohibition comes in the form of don't be like him. Uh, but you're right, you're right. There's other ways that, uh, that to answer this question. But the Zerushim would like to explain as follows. That the Torah, while phrasing it in this way, which is do not be like Korach and his people, at the same time, the Torah is giving us the reason for why this is so bad. To try to teach you that you're not supposed to carry on a machlokas. Whether you are the assailant or the victim. This is the problem, according to the Zerah Shimshon. The reason why we keep, keep carrying on the fight is because we feel, I would never start a fight, I would never pick a fight, but in this case, I am being assailed by this person, I am the victim, I am, the better words, I'm defending myself, but more than that, I'm I'm suffering here because this person is doing things against me. And that's why we come to the mistake and the foolishness of Korach. And here's how the Mekubal phrases this Musar. Every single Jew, Yeshlo al-Panav has in their face, the form of God and the image of God. Every single person, is made b'tzalem alukim, especially in the face. V'nimtze shemisha mavaze chavero. When you shame someone else, mavaze hashchina haomedas alav. You disgrace the shchina that's upon that person. V'amruzal, our sages tell us, v'shasha adam mitzdayer. When a person is feeling pain. Shechina ma'umeres. What does the shechina say? Kilani miroshi. My head hurts. Kilani mezroi. My arm hurts. Of course, a reference to the tefillin of Hashem. But uh, he's saying that when the person who starts the fight, that person has then um, spat in the face of the shechina, not just in the person they hurt. And then he says. Here's the big line. So even if the accosted person, the victim, turns around and shames the other person simply to take vengeance and to defend myself, is then committing the same act of treachery which is to disgrace the image that the person who did the shaming has. In other words, there's another person, or not person, there's someone else here involved in this situation. Every time you shame someone, you cause someone pain, you bring pain to Hashem, you disgrace the honor of the Shekhinah, and even if that person, um, the person who was just, um, just turns around and defends themselves by saying something insulting, that's just as much a sin. This, yeah, just as much a sin. 
because you are repeating that person's sin of disgracing the face of the Shechina. This that he says that for everyone, Shechina, Oimedes, Oimedes, all of does that hold true even by Russia? Yeah. It's what he says. He says, Kal Echad Mi Yisrael. Right? So, this is. This, um, yes. I'm sorry. But you know, the, you know the, uh, the Sutton is going to tell every person who, who's angry, who's burning with anger. But the Zera Shimshan couldn't have been speaking about this case. The, the Zera Shimshan couldn't have been speaking about the Russia who's, uh, who's uh, I'm dealing with here. Right. So please respond to that. Right. Uh, there really is no response to that. He is. He's talking about everyone. It says, Kal Achad Mi Yisrael. And uh, and that's 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 what makes this approach so novel. You know, the Sefer Achinuch kind of disagrees with this. The Sefer Achinuch says, for example, that when it says in the Torah, "Don't take vengeance," that you don't transgress if you're in the middle of a battle and you're just trying to defend yourself and all that. He does give a lot of place for a person to protect themselves. According to this, the Zerush Emshin is pretty. Uh, he's not talking about someone's hitting you or hurting you and physically, but. But he seems to be very clear that even if the, that person disgraced you and shamed you, you have no right to do anything to them. And he says, you are just as guilty. Not that you're also doing something and that two wrongs don't make a right and that you're not helping the situation. You are just as guilty. That's what he says. And even if you think that passivity, uh, if it is passive that passivity would lead to greater amounts coming from the originator, you would still... Is he taking that into consideration, or...? Well, you know, you'd get into an interesting halachic question of can you do a sin in order to stop someone else from sinning? Mm-hmm. And that's what you'd run into. Can I transgress the prohibition of shaming another Jew in order to stop him from shaming me? Which, which is itself a little, a little bit of a fallacy because it usually doesn't work when people respond to insult and to shame and to, to, to speak that way, it generally doesn't settle things down and it makes, and it, it, makes it worse. So what this requires is that someone has publicly just come to you and shamed you and called you names and hurt you. And I'm not, everyone's thinking, yeah, big deal, you know, you let it go, you walk past, it's so easy to say. But when that person pushes your buttons in that way, that we do not, we are ready to fire all cylinders Every weapon in our arsenal, we're going to hit that person. And what we're told here by the Zerushim show is that that's Korach Va'adaso. You need to stop and say, that person is a Tselem Elohim. I have no right to shame and insult and degrade that person. This is Jews only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Va'od, furthermore. In case, in case all this wasn't enough for you, he says, She'ena Rishai, there's another reason why you're not allowed to. Because you should know that, as we said, when that person insulted you, they didn't just insult you, they disgraced the king of kings. What did Hashem do about it? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing obvious at that moment. That's what right. I was say. <laughs> right. Hashem has done nothing obvious at that moment. Who ain't Elias Yosef Hashem Ibor? So who do you think you are 
to defend your honor when God, when God himself. Do you think you're more um, worthy than your creator? Ha'enosh me'elokai yitzdak, a verse in Eov, can man be more righteous than God? Betmiya. V'dayo le'eved lios karabo, at least be like the master. Listen, which almost sounds like, you know, if someone comes to you and says, you are the worst person in the world, and then they get struck by lightning, <laughs> so then you go, oh, he's already down, Hashem punished him, maybe according to this explanation. You could say, yeah, there you go, and you insulted him too. I but if I Hashem... Only once? But if 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 you see that Hashem is patient and waits, so you need to be patient and wait too. Are you talking about a mumar, a kofar, or an informer? We that's what we asked before. At this point, we have not made any distinction. That's why the Torah says, Don't don't make the mistake of Korach. Shechashev lehisraim al Moshe, who thought that he was just debating with Moshe. Korach thinks he's being a tzaddik here. Who's he coming? For whose purpose? He, in his mind, he was probably thinking that he's doing this for a positive reason. Why are you insulting, shaming, disgracing the presence of the Shekhinah for any reason whatsoever? At this point, what we're saying is he wants to erase every justification in the world. Every justification based on the simple premise that the other person's face isn't just theirs. It's a representation of God, the representation of the presence of the Shekhinah. And at that point, there is zero, no justification. You know, we cover the blood because the blood's a life force and everything. When you embarrass someone and... They use the example when their face gets red, when their blood rises. Is that related? I mean, maybe that's because. Well, there's another aspect. There's another aspect of murder, which is when you shame someone, when you whiten someone's face. So that's that's the the blood leaves the face. That's considered murder. He's not even going there. He's he's making this almost like idol worship, like blasphemy. No, according to this, then you could never stand up for what's right. Your you can never stand up for what's right if it involves shaming someone. What an incredible perspective here. Right? you got to figure out a way to do it without shaming. That, you can make a counter. L- listen to this. Oh, in the next paragraph. After, yeah, absolutely. You can, you can disagree. But it's got to be with such, uh, so Tech. much care, right? But oh, the Afbazu Tar Karach. So you say, you know what Korach's mistake is? Shafila Temesh Akadish Baruch Lotsiva Lamosha Davarza. Even if Korach is right, that Hashem never commanded Moshe any of this. Umiliba Bada also, and Moshe made it all up. Even if that's true, what did God do about it? He let it go. Yeah. Hashem was quiet. Hashem seems to forgive. Hashem didn't stop. The fire came down and burnt the carbonos. And burnt Narvavihu when he didn't disagree. Well, they, they, disagree. Well, they, were, no, but if they some, weren't disagreeing with Moshe. 50 guys, though. I mean, whoever disagrees. Well, the, makes, mo, none like, of them weren't disagreeing. They, they just brought an Eshzara. 
but 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 you're saying the fire came down and accepted the korbanus that Aaron brings. Now Korach didn't miss that. Korach just felt that Moshe was pushing himself in and giving himself and his brother and his cousin, uh, you know, all the all, all his followers. It was the his position at that point. He agreed about Moshe and Aaron. It was no, the no, no, next no, position that he was no, upset about. That, that's that's so he used Moshe's. That's his argument. But uh, uh, internally, he felt that because Moshe picked. Um, uh, the Tzofan to be the uh, the uh, Nasi. That means that the whole thing was was all made up by Moshe. So he, the Zerushimshin is saying, and even if Moshe did make it up, see that that's the next step. If Moshe did make it up, Hashem brought the Karbanos down, and Korach knew that Hashem brought the Karbanos. But he said, listen, Mo- Hashem feels bad for Moshe; doesn't want to fight with him, and doesn't. Well, then why are you fighting? Right? Why are you trying to be better than so, God? Zerushimshon is trying to say that the reason why it's delineated in such deep, like with an example in the Torah, is because this is such a grave sin. No, no, he's trying to tell you. He's trying to tell you why. Um, right. Well, the severity of it, but also the reason for it. I right. see. Everything that you said up until this point makes sense, but when you're saying that, well, Hashem doesn't do anything about it, isn't there? Isn't uh, it our job to change the society? I mean, I understand about not involved. No, we're talking about specifically the disgrace. That when when someone disgraces Hashem, and Hashem doesn't do anything about it, so we are obligated not to disgrace anyone else too. Yeah, we're supposed to do things. That's what uh, Avi was asking before. Well, what do you do? People are doing things that are wrong. You don't let those things go. But we're talking specifically about shaming someone. We're talking about starting a fight. That, it doesn't work. That's why the Gemara tells us, Anyone who becomes angry... I feel a shechina ain't a chashuva connect though. Even if the shechina were there, it would be nothing. Um, 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 there would be no worthiness to even the shechina in that. You ever see a person who gets angry, really angry, to the point where they lose it and they would push and hurt even the person who's trying to help them, where they would smash things and break things that belong to them, where they've completely lost their mind. <coughs> if at that moment in time someone said to him, here you can punch your enemy, or here is a check for one trillion dollars that's about to self-destruct unless you pull it out of the fire, then he will punch his enemy because there is nothing besides there. That, that's a Vodazara. That's a Vodazar to get that lost in the Shinemar, as it says, Russia could go Apple. Because you even Hashem is that's what he says. Even if Hashem were there, you would disregard the Shekhinah's presence because you're angry. And that's that's the Gemara calls that self worship or the worship of the idol within you to become so lost that you are your Shivisi Hashem Lenagdi Summit, which is that Hashem is before me always. We're supposed to have Hashem before us all the time, 24 hours a day. Uh, the story is told of uh, when the Magad of Mezrich passed <coughs> away. So the uh, Talmidim were, were trying to decide who should be the next leader. And they came upon Rebilomelech of Lezhensk. He was the greatest of the uh, students of the Magid. And they appointed him to be the, um, to be the next leader. But uh, that, that evening, that, that evening, they, uh, um, all the, they all sat down to learn. And at some point during the night, the uh, Rebilomelech of Lezhensk um, went to sleep. 
So some of the people were like, this is our new leader, you know, he went to sleep, and you know. So they figured maybe he's going to take a nap and he'll come back, but they waited a number of hours and uh, he wasn't getting up. So they went to Rabbi Malach's brother, Abzisha, and they said, you know, we need uh, our new leader, could you please go wake him up? So he went to the door of the room that he was laying in and he put his hands over the mezuzah. And 30 seconds later, Rabbi Malach came out. So they said to Abzisha, what was that about? He said, well, you know, he, um, Rabbi Lamelech has, uh, whenever he's awake, he always has in mind, Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Saman Hashem is before him always. When he goes to sleep, before he goes to sleep, he focuses in on the mezuzah, and that way, even when he sleeps, he can keep Hashem's presence before him. And when I covered over the mezuzah, he had to wake up in order to bring himself back to the presence of Hashem. Now that's, that's, and then they understood that they had picked, picked the right leader. So, um, yeah, that's that's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to have Hashem before us always. And when you have someone who loses themselves and becomes angry like that, that's not just, you know, most of us, you know, we don't do such a good job, we should be see Hashem in the summit, but if we were to dig through the attic of our mind, somewhere there, there would be a dusty little glass panel with Shavisi Hashem and, and this, and we could wipe it off, and Hashem is there somewhere in the back of our minds. But when you get angry, there's nothing else besides the anger. So there's an aspect of this that doesn't at all get emphasized, and I don't know why, which is that this is a family fight. As far as Korach was concerned, his family, as a descendant of Kahas, has as much right to all these kibbutim that Moshe and Aaron are taking. And so this is a this is about internal family politics. Is it? Is it? I mean, the, they're... That's a question of whether Hashem had really spoken to Moshe. And that, that's because you see what Moshe challenges and he says, if it is that everything I have done is what Hashem told me, so it happens to be a relative, but this is a fight over whether Moshe had made this stuff up or it was a direct command from Hashem. So this is challenging Moshe's prophecy and his shlichos. So as much as it's, uh, it's, it's about a family matter, but it's a question of, who Moshe is, and whether he's really coming from what Hashem told him. But the aspect of this that doesn't get emphasized is that, you know, you don't get a heter for doing this if you say, no, it's in the family, I can, you know, I can pursue this. Well, I'm not sure, it's interesting you say that, I'm not sure if if, uh, that really is is a mitigating factor. I mean, you're saying that there are some people who think, well, listen, this isn't a fight between strangers, it's a fight between family, and that, that should somehow make it better. That seems like to me like a reason to make it worse. But, but you're right. If there is someone who thinks that yeah, family issues, oh, we're not really fighting, it's just over the inheritance. If, so, right, right, exactly. if, if someone thinks like that, then yeah, we should emphasize the fact that the, the classic example of prohibition of the Torah is as to who has rights to this and that. That's a good point. Okay. But Oda He says, so now we understand the first part of the Gemara, which is why the Torah phrases it in that way. But the Gemara added, that that person deserves leprosy. But what does leprosy have to do with it? But Yesh Lomar, 
The answer is, according to the way he explained, the Hoyal Shemisha Machzik Bemachlokas, because if you carry on the argument, Mezalza Bechvot Shemayim, the issue isn't so much that you are fighting. Besides that, there's a bigger problem that you're insulting and disgracing the presence of Hashem. Why aren't you looking at the godly image of your friend? Then measure for measure, the person loses a little bit of their tzalem alukim. Im, and that's what leprosy is. The Kumoshitirgam Unkalas Mitsora, as the Unkalas translates to Mitsora, is Sagiru, locked up. My Sagir Vamur Bazar, the Zohar explains the translation of Unkalas, My Sagiru, Sagiru the Kala. I'm gonna use a little bit of a um, elaboration on it in order to fully understand. But basically what the Zohar says that that Saras is, is if you say every day that God is constantly creating the world. Now, what does that mean? Didn't we say that God created the world in six days, and then, and then, God rested. What does that mean? So the explanation that we say is that God brought into being the world over, over six days and seven days, including Shabbos, and then from then on, Hashem is no longer bringing the world into being, but Hashem is continuing to allow existence to be by continuing to conceptualize creation. Which means, we are, if I could use this term, I know it's very, it's not a proper term, but we have no better word for it. We are a figment of Hashem's imagination. And as long as Hashem continues to imagine us, we continue to exist. But if at any point Hashem would stop keeping the world going, we would simply cease to be. That's how the world is. Now, of course, we um, have attention spans of... Uh, oh, look. So, that for us, it would be pretty dangerous if an entire multiverse was dependent on us maintaining attention. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is infinite, so we don't have this problem. No one's going to distract Hashem. But it is that Hashem is continuing to keep the world going. And that, con- um, that consideration that Hashem has of our existence is our existence, and that is what continues to bestow light and life on us. If Hashem would withdraw or limit that light from a person, even a little bit, so the slightest even the slightest amount of the removal of that light, meaning while the whole universe is getting a certain amount of willingness to exist, you're getting one infinite of uh, withholding of that light. I didn't invent words. Um, when that happens, a person gets a white mark on their skin because that's the place where Hashem's light is not shining. So he says, "V'amru bezoar my segiru segiru dekolo shesagru me'alav kol ores hakedusha." In that place, the holy, the lights of holiness are not shining. Mishum hachi, and that's the reason why badad yeshev mechutz lamachne hakodesh. You have to stay outside the camp. A representation that you are not receiving that same influence on light as everyone else. V'tamei tamei and of course you're tamei. Ki b'salik hakedusha. When you remove the kedusha, tachol atuma. That's when tuma comes. That's why a mitzvah is considered somewhat like they're dead, because to a certain extent they are.
So he says, that's why, that's why you can't, um, that's why someone who's machzik b'machlokas, meaning someone who denies God's presence, someone who's disgracing the image of God, therefore they get saras. Number three, in case none of this was enough motivation for you to never ever get into a machlokas again, he has a third. Is he saying that you should make peace, or he's saying that stop having? He's not at the point of making peace. He's just saying you can't go back. So you could separate yourself, even if you don't agree with the person. Just don't respond. Don't talk to him. Don't talk to him. Don't have any kind of... According to this, there might be other reasons why you should be Ohev Shalom Verodev Shalom, which is its own parsha. but the the prohibition of the Yekar Chadasa, you would certainly be fine if you would just walk away and uh, stay away from that person. Now, if that means, which is what many people do, if staying away from that person means that when that person comes over to me in a public setting and says, Gachavis, and in front of other people, I turn around and walk in the other direction, then you've done this. So we have to... uh, you know, you, you got to figure it out. Okay, the third point, in case none of these two were enough, the ode shemisha machzik b'machlokas. If someone has to go, I understand. We're just going to go till we finish this piece. Shemisha machzik b'machlokas. Someone who carries on the machlokas. And you want to take vengeance? You want to do something to the person who shamed you or disgraced you? So then what you are saying, because you are declaring, based on your perfect judgment and your perfect understanding, that you don't deserve this particular slight in your life. That's why you're taking vengeance. You're taking vengeance because I don't deserve this. I deserve better. I, no one should treat me like this. There's no reason why this person should talk to me this way. I've never done anything like this to them. All the arguments that you always hear from people. But think for a second. There's judgment in the world. There's a judge. A person wouldn't be able to move their finger in this world below. Unless it was decreed above. It means it's all part of Hashem's system. Yeah, it could, everyone has free will and people have the ability to make choices. But all that is taken into Hashem's account. So maybe you're getting punished for something else that you did. Right. Not, I'm really this guy, he's just the messenger. Right, or you might even have done things to this guy. Or you know, all these kinds of things. It's, you don't have enough information to make a real judgment about this. You would not, if you would think this, you would never take vengeance. <laughs> from the person who shamed you. It was all, he says, the will of God, but it means within the system of Hashem. To a certain extent, he becomes the messenger of Hashem. We find by David when he was fleeing, and Shimi, Kilolo Klolo Nimretzes. I won't even repeat all the things that Shimi um, said to him, Rashitevas Nimretzes, including the Mem. The Mem in Nimretzes stands for Mamzer. He called him a lot of bad things, especially in those days when everything was about Yichus. And you make accusations like that. And the soldier said, Should we kill him? And David says, Sha'amar Hashem, Amar Lo Kalel. No, Hashem told him to curse. Now, oh. 
David still has a job to do. And at the end of his life, he makes arrangements <laughs> for, <laughs> for, for Shimi's death. That's yeah. an amazing Haftorah. Yeah. Yes, but yes, not, yes. but not out of anger, not out of how dare he. It wasn't like that. And they say that's why he did it. He told Shlomo to do it. And he himself didn't do it. Because after death, you don't get to see. And there, there's no so point in any vengeance that you don't get to witness. That's why the bad guy gives that half-hour monologue before he kills the good guy. Because it's not about the killing. It's always not just for him to be able to escape. But, but it's also because he wants the satisfaction of telling him his oh, master plan that. in detail on the passwords and everything. So that when the guy breaks free, he knows exactly what he needs to do. But it's also because the vengeance, vengeance and punishment is about... That feeling of satisfaction. And so David wants to show that it isn't about that. He, so he has to do, he has a job to do. He's so the king, he's, he's the judge of the world. Why does he want Shimei to be killed at all? Well, no, he's got to do his, he deserves to be killed. He's, he's supposed to kill him during his lifetime. But he would just wants to, he wants to delay it. And then the problem is that there isn't really a full judgment. So, because they, you know, they, they need the litigant, they need the whole process. So David says to Shlomo, you're a smart kid, you'll figure it out. And Shlomo does. He gives Shimi these very simple instructions, never leave Yerushalayim. And Shimi looks around, nobody's watching and leaves and gets killed. You know, that's, yeah. the, that's the story. <laughs> so when you take vengeance on someone, you're denying God's Providence. You you saying God left the world? Like the original fools who say that God wants nothing to do with the world. You're denying the most basic principle. That's what Chazal mean when they say anyone who becomes angry, even the Shechina is not worthy before him. But someone who forgives and lets go because of these three things. Number one. Because you realize that you have the tzalem elokim um, on this person. Number two, because um, Hashem forgave and Hashem lets things go. You're not more worthy than Hashem. And number three, because there is a system in the world that Hashem has taken this into account. If you forgive for these reasons, then that's a fulfillment of shivisi Hashem l'nagdi samit of having Hashem before you always. If there's any, if there's any lesson that we should take from Parshas Korach, it is that everyone has, everyone in their life has their own particular versions of this, of the squabbles and quarrels and fights, some of them which we recognize are silly, and some of which we feel we are, um, um, required, obligated, to make sure that this kind of machlokas gets, and all the other arguments which we make for ourselves, um, he's saying, so coming from this wonderful perspective, coming from the top down and saying, you know what, whether you like it or not, the person you're fighting with is Salam Elohim. So show respect to God. Show respect to Hashem and just let things go. What about Machlokas in a nice way, but without, without embarrassing or hurting that person, by just expressing your, you know, you did such and such. So it's because that's not when you go to someone and you say, you know, yesterday um, you said this to me and uh, I, it, it, it felt a little insulting. I'm sure you didn't mean it, but uh, it, would, I, I would, it would be much, uh, it would be easier for me if we would uh, maybe not say things like that. And let's try to say it in a better way. And I hope that in the future, that's not a machlokas. That's people conversing and working things out. And that's how people should do it. Machlokas involves people uh, shouting and screaming. So, 
And some that and sometimes it's more passive aggressive. Yeah. Sometimes something happens, and before you know it, the heat of anger has overwhelmed you. I think most people would have moments like that. When you're in that situation, you're not going to be logical. That's right. That's right. Once you're already past that point, and this is true of many, many sins, person gets themselves into a certain place of, of sin. Once they get to a certain point, it's impossible to 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 um, draw away. You have to catch it before, and uh, to a certain extent, at that point, the person might even be ones, and they would be more liable for getting themselves in there. You know, when you someone drives drunk and kills somebody, and we put them in prison for many years. And they say, I have no recollection of the crime. Right. right. So we're not punishing them for the crime, we're punishing them for allowing themselves to get to that place. And so, yeah, we have to, it's hard, but we have to be aware of ourselves when we're going there and keep control. And some people need, uh, you know, anger management classes, you know, because it's, it's hard to train ourselves to do it. Some people, we can work on ourselves, and some people can just think of holy thoughts and get. Instantly well, fixed. What about litigation that people are involved in? They go to Bayesden, they have a... a and, right. and, and, and maybe afterwards they still will so not accept. Bayesden, they try to make you work it out. No, but I'm saying... Is, right, but, but it, it's all about peace and respect. Like we say, right. you can, you can uh, disagree on things. Right. You can disagree in a serious way, but all with decency and respect. And the, there are many examples you can see of people who disagree about things very strongly and they say, you know, with all due respect, I really think it should be like this. And it, it has to do with how much respect they have for each other. The point where we lose it, at that point, we enter into the Korach. Right, so so the, the one question that I would have is the, uh, or the doubt that I would have, and look at the one justification of God's passive, apparent passivity in the fact that you don't see God acting upon, if, you, if that meanders its way into other areas, that could potentially be a dangerous approach. Right, right. But that's what we're saying. It's only in where God tells you not to interfere. So when, when someone is doing something wrong, and we as a community are required to you know, protect ourselves and do those things, um, you know, we have to do that. Here, it says in the Torah, don't do machlokas. So now, to transgress that is to assume otherwise. All right, um, I want to thank uh, the sponsors for tonight, today's breakfast. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.